Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast where we are ready to mosey. I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beej. Yeehaw! <laughs> Not quite that kind of mosey, but uh, today we're talking about Final Fantasy VII, the remake, and initial impressions, basically, because right. I've basically been playing this game since it came out three, four days ago, and I love it. It's fantastic. I'm so glad that you love it. Like, that was one of those where I, whenever it came out, like, and the demo came out and that you loved it, there's always that potential after the demo for it to be a letdown. Like, that being the the fun part that you've got it out there, and then it just kind of becomes more of the same. So I'm glad that it kept up after that for you. It did. I mean, if anything, it got better as I kept going. So Awesome. I will avoid story spoilers here for people um, beyond the first hour. So, uh, you know, we don't need to start with story right away. Um, but just to lay that out there, like the demo is probably the first 30 minutes. I There's some things I want to touch on and I can use examples from the 30 minutes after that. So I'm not going to spoil the 40 hours of game for people. Like I said, I'm probably only about halfway through. Um, right. But I do want to talk about like the first hour. So just so everybody knows context wise where we're going into this with. And I have not played it. I didn't end up buying it. Um, I'm still obsessed over Animal Crossing right now. And honestly, the chill game that 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 is has been what I need. So the very like the intensity that comes with some of the story in Final Fantasy VII, I was not in the mood for, and the the more intense combat. So I'm really excited to hear about it because I'll pick it up soon-ish. I just haven't hit that point yet. It's going to be basically the next time I feel like an. Act- action rpg yeah and it's a really good action rpg like i just i like this game a lot so you know i dove into it and even the second time even after seeing it in the demo like that music and the train intro sequence it just hit me right in the nostalgia like in the best way possible it was it was amazing and right from the get-go like it lets you know that this game is just really pretty like it just looks great um this square always seems to be pushing that and there's no difference here like it's just fantastic graphics and that's always been their thing. Like ever since the the very first Final Fantasy, they were really trying to one up Dragon Quest with the uh, with the graphics, and so that was really where they landed on it. So I don't doubt it at all. Like it looks like an evolution of Final Fantasy fifteen to me. Yeah, and so one of the things I wanted to put up front here, and this is kind of shorthand. So if you haven't played all the Final Fantasy games, this isn't going to mean as much to you. But for people out there like me who have played a lot and have that to draw from, this game really feels like a mashup of the Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy XIII, and Final Fantasy XV. And if you take all those games and like mash them together and take kind of the best parts of each, that's what the Final Fantasy VII remake feels like. So I'm really curious about what thir- what it pulls from 13 because so, it is so reviled for so many people. I don't want that to turn people off. So it takes some of the 13 stuff like um the some of the linear sequences you can see are kind of an evolution of what they did with 13 but instead of just straight boring corridors like there's more to it than that but the other thing that they took from 13 that works really well is the idea of how you advance your like weapons i mean in 13 you were advancing like crystals on characters Mm -hmm. um but that almost one-to-one maps with how you advance weapons in this game and then the other thing is stagger meters so do you remember in 13 a huge part of the battle system was figuring out how do you stagger an enemy because once they're staggered 
you have a limited amount of time where you can just do massive damage to them, right? Yep, I remember that. I always liked the battle system in 13. A lot of people didn't, but I enjoyed it. Okay, so this has that, except as an action RPG, instead of completely turn-based, the way that it was in 13. So the stagger meter is there, and figuring out what the enemy weakness is, how do you stagger this enemy, and how is it different from a different enemy that you would stagger, all of that is present in this game. Um, and then the actual action RPG combat, it feels like if Final Fantasy XV's combat was made better and more responsive <laughs> and more fun, honestly. Yeah, because it was terrible. Like, I love Final Fantasy XV as a base game, but the combat just was messy like it wasn't awful it wasn't terrible enough to make me stop playing the game like final fantasy 12's was but it was not clean or necessarily fun yeah well i mean let's talk about the battles a little bit so this is probably my favorite action combat that square has ever done in a jrpg like you know i still like turn-based combat a lot um and this you know I might have a slight preference for it over action combat. I think my history bears that out. But in terms of action RPGs, this is my favorite hands down. Like there's no question. And the way they modified it to get like the ATB system into the game is super smart, you know? So you have to be doing like the action combat and a little bit of just the moment to moment control to build up your ATB gauge. And then when you hit the X button, you can, it slows down time to almost paused it's like a super slow crawl and you can take your time picking what you want from the menus for abilities and spells and items and all of that stuff so it's a really cool mashup of the two and the more i play it the more i think it works really well and i still hate i liked the combat in the demo i really really liked it a lot more than i thought i would still hate that you can't use items as uh, without having an atb gauge that uh it feels off and i'm fine with in turn-based don't get me wrong but in an action game i think i've been spoiled by kingdom hearts where i could go to the items anytime during the combat yeah so basically what it prevents you from doing is just spamming an item to get through a battle which ends up being really good because it actually challenges you whereas in kingdom hearts or most action rpgs i feel like you can just if you have enough potions whatever you just drink them nonstop and you never die and you can't yes exactly yeah you can't do that in this game and it's a better game because of that oh i don't doubt that at all but it's like i go all the way back to uh, where i played ultima online and like my uh my nickname i've told you before was run and chug where i kept so many potions on me that when somebody tried to kill me i just ran away hid drank potions and came back it was like potions are my jam and i can't jam in this game this one's really harsh in my mellow man <laughs> you actually got to think about the combat which is one of the things that i always complain about with action-based combat is like it, it's Me too, too spammy and you can't just spam your way through this game on well on normal and hard you can't if you turn it down to easy you can so if you ever get stuck you can just turn down to easy and i've gone back and forth between easy and normal a bunch in this game i just love the right. ability to kind of flip between the difficulty levels literally whenever you want to as long as you're not in the middle of a combat encounter that that's awesome like being able to swap difficulty levels is something i think that every single game should have in the being able to swap difficulty levels in the middle of the game is something that every game should have these days oh i agree and the other cool thing with combat is that every character feels different which you kind of get a sense for in the demo a little bit with barrett but it becomes much more obvious once you get tifa and then you start to see oh i see what they're doing with this game every character feels and plays completely unique which is the opposite of the original Final Fantasy VII. Like, 
in the first Final Fantasy VII, you could build any character any way, and they felt exactly the same because the only thing that was different was the materia. But if you just change yeah. their equipment and their materia around, you could take what you had been doing for the last 30 hours as Tifa, and you could just apply it to Cloud, and it would just work. And you would have different limit breaks. Like, that yeah. was really be it. That that if you liked one character's limit breaks or looks better than the other, that was always what made me pick characters. Like, I want now, if when I play it again, I'm going to play with Red 13 just because I like the way he looks and I never did before because I was too obsessed with Vincent being like a 14 year old boy and being like, oh my goodness, he has a gun and it's so goth. <laughs> it was, uh, that's not going to happen this time. I'm going to go for the talking kitty cat because I'm an adult. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, and so in this one, each character feels and controls different in combat. So, okay. you know, Cloud has a gigantic sword, surprising nobody. So he's actually really good at, I mean, he's he's a pretty decent damage dealer, um, but he's good at like crowds. You know, he has these big wide arcing swings and a lot of his mm-hmm. abilities do that too, where he can attack multiple enemies or clear out crowds. Uh, Tifa is fantastic as like a one-to-one fighter. Like, I don't think anybody has as good of single target damage as she does. And Barrett is a really interesting like support and ranged character who can sit back and he has some stuff that like buffs or defends, um, which is fascinating. And then once you get Aerith, and it's Aerith in this game because they've changed the translation, um, once you get Aerith, she's 100% like a, a spell slinger. Um, she's just built in a way that her character is really good at using spells and all of her abilities build on that. So her basic attack is like a ranged, kind of like magical, non-elemental based. Like it can just kind of hit anything, almost like mm-hmm. Barret, but you know, a magical version of that. But then in her moment to moment, you're focused on getting enough ATB that you can cast your next spell. And she has abilities that will let you basically just like double cast and things like that that are really cool. So thinking about that in particular, like that was one of the things in Kingdom Hearts that I always liked about playing as Aqua in Birth by Sleep and uh, the bits and pieces in Kingdom Hearts 3 that you got to play as her because she was way more spell based. Like she was quick, did less physical damage, but really could pump out the uh, magical damage. And so what you're saying right now is that Aerith really, really feels like what... uh, what my favorite character in Kingdom Hearts was. So uh, I'm very likely to get attached to Aerith in this one again. Yeah, and she's, you know, I I felt like, okay, I kind of see what they're doing with the spell system here and when I should be using them, how I should be thinking about them as I was playing through the first handful of chapters of the game and, you know, building out like some of Clouds and some of Barret's and some of Tifa's stuff. And then I got Aerith and I was like, oh, no, this is the actual spell slinger. Like, she's she's just so different with her power level when it comes to spells and one of her key abilities is she can put an area of an effect on the ground that if her or anybody else in your party stands within it they will double cast for free anytime they cast a spell that's awesome yeah and then that's amazing as you start looking at her abilities and her weapons um it's just obvious that she is she's the damage dealing like spell slinger of the party that's so cool yeah so i love that like all of them feel different that's super super fun and really good i'm glad they're not interchangeable um i find myself really drawn to tifa like anytime she's in my party as soon as i enter a battle i switch over to her and i i'm mostly like do the moment to moment with her because she's really fun so what is it so what's so much fun about her she's fast She's really fast. Mm. So Cloud is Cloud's good. Like he's kind of a good all-around character, which makes sense because he's your point of view character and you have him in all sorts of situations. But Tifa is just extremely fast and you could dodge with her faster, you can block with her faster. You can do um 
tons of damage extremely quickly so her weapons might not do as much damage with each hit but she can get so many more hits in in a short amount of time that it more than makes up for that so all of that is just fun and then she still has some of her abilities where she can like um buff herself up to do more damage and then you know she has her limit breaks and stuff i don't know there's something about the way tifa controls that i just love and I always like those kind of martial arts characters in the Dragon Quest games. I like the uh, the ones who can do the pump up. Uh, the, a lot of the times the martial arts are, uh, characters are the ones where you take a couple of turns to be able to raise your tension and then just all out like blow something up. So it's cool to see that they're doing that in this with the martial artist character. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, some of the other system stuff, let's stick with system stuff, because I'll come back around to story in case people don't want to hear anything about it. Um, Materia, it's basically the same that it was in Final Fantasy VII. It really hasn't changed. Like, I, I put a section in here that says Materia system changes, and there's not, like, there's not a lot of difference, which is okay, because it works with this action combat. They made it work. That's awesome. Yeah, so Materia system, it's kind of what you remember, and it, it it's in a good way, right? It's not in a yeah. bad way. Um, the thing that's very different is weapons. So as you advance with the character, your base level stats go up as your character level goes up. But really the main way that you're advancing in this game is through weapons and modding your weapons. And the way that it works is that every time your character levels up, you get a, a pool of SP, which is like special points or skill points or something. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that in most other games you'd have to take those skills and you would invest them into okay well what which weapon do i want to improve right, right. in this game every single weapon gets the same amount of skill points every time you level up so the thing that you should do the thing that i've been doing hold on to every single one of your weapons because they all are different and they're all good at different things and you just keep putting skill points into all of them because you'll gain the skills with all of them at the same time um it's it's amazing mm. because i find myself going back to the buster sword even though i'm halfway through the game and then i'll get a new sword and then i'll dive into the new sword for a while um or i'll go to like the baseball bat and try that out for a little bit hmm. and all of them have their purpose you know like the baseball bat is kind of like a crit weapon if you can set it up to do crits really well it's super powerful um whereas like the iron sword is better if you want to do more materia and spell casting with cloud and the thing is, this is true for all the characters. So all of the characters have all of these different weapons that you can be improving right alongside each other. And every single weapon is viable all the way to the end of the game. That is so interesting and weird at the same time. It's hard to think about getting like one of the baseball bats at the beginning of an RPG and it being actually relevant in the final boss fight. Yeah, and they're not better or worse from each other they're just different so you can find the one that works with your play style and get into it um and then one of the cool things that it encourages you to try them all is mm -hmm. the idea of having weapon proficiency so each weapon has a unique ability on it and if you equip that weapon you have the you can use that ability right away um but to get that ability and keep it across every weapon you have to go and you have to get proficient in that weapon so you get proficiency by using the weapon and by using that ability but then each one also has almost like a like a mini game or like a mini challenge inside of it where if you do xyz um you'll get more proficiency during that battle you know so mm. for example like going back to the Aerith example right where she has one of her weapon abilities is to add that double cast area on the ground right and so her proficiency bonus with that weapon is k 
cast it on the ground and then go inside of it and cast a spell from it. So it's little Makes things sense. like that, right, in the middle of a battle. And I'm assuming you have to do it multiple times to prove that you're proficient with it, I'm assuming. Yeah, and so once your proficiency gets up to 100%, then that ability you can use no matter what you have equipped. So right. you're incentivized to, as soon as you get a weapon, equip it until you're proficient with it, and then kind of, okay, let me look at everything else I have, and then go back and pick the one that I want for right now and have all the abilities all at the same time. Awesome. So uh, like Final Fantasy IX in a lot of ways, where you're learning your abilities through the weapons. Yes. Uh, it feels like Final Fantasy IX. Um, they've remixed it, you know, and it's really only one proficiency per weapon. But the yeah. core idea is the same. That's really cool, because that was one of my favorite parts of that game, is whenever you get a new weapon, not that it's stronger than anything else, but what cool stuff does it do? Yeah, and like leveling up the weapons is how you make your character feel even more unique than they are out of the gate, because some of the weapons, so like Cloud, right, the Buster Sword, there's a lot of just like attack damage and um, flipping into operator mode to do like bonus damage and stuff like that, right? That one is kind of my go-to when I just need to do deal a bunch of damage. Whereas, um, like the Iron Sword, like I said, there's a lot of things in there that are spell damage or defense, things like that. The Bat mm -hmm. has a bunch of upgradable paths that are, like, crit-based, you know? Okay. And so inside of each weapon, you have kind of the same idea as, I'm not going to remember the exact word, but, like, the Crystarium in Final Fantasy Thirteen, you know, where right. it's almost like... Um, a sphere grid or something like that where you have a bunch of options of how you build it out um and that's what's inside of every single weapon but each weapon has a different one inside of it okay that's that makes a lot of sense yeah so weapons are super fun to deal with um there's also some cool stuff that they do in this game with and again trying to stay a little bit vague here for the setting but making the world feel lived in and like there's a lot of people there but without running into that normal JRPG trope of I have to talk to everybody multiple times, um, right. which I yep. know everyone's fallen into that at some point. What they do instead and is there's almost this like Twitch chat like NPC dialogue that fills in on the side of the screen and you can hear it as you're walking through the world, you know, and it lets them populate the world with a lot of NPCs that you can't directly interact with. But you hear the conversations around you and you see this constant stream of like people talking about stuff as you're walking around. Um, and it makes it very obvious when you can walk up to somebody and there's like, you know, the, the mark, the interaction mark over them. You know that like, OK, this is actually a key person that I should stop and talk to. And I like that when games do it. That was actually one of my favorite things about Persona 5 was just being able to wander around and you hear people talking that you don't always have to see people having a conversation you can get into it and uh, in like final fantasy 15 having them just talk as i'm walking around the world is fantastic and the best way to get to know the characters and the the uh kind of ambient environment around them yeah it's it's a really good way of doing it and i I like it a lot. I think it would be hard to go back to systems where it's like, oh, do I have to talk to everybody? Like, because this is such a good solution for it. That's something that I like in RPGs, though. It, it depends on my mood because I love the Dragon Quest RPGs so much. And that's really a part of them is being able to go and walk around and talk to everybody with their different personalities. And uh, but there are times in it where you have to literally talk to every person within a town to get the next story beat. And it is so obnoxious. So when it comes to stuff like this compared to that, give me this every time. 
Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the setting here and a little bit of the story. But like the way that they've fleshed it out. Um, and I think I mentioned this on the demo episode where we talked about it, where they've essentially created the space between the screens of the original Final Fantasy VII. So there will be times when you're walking around and if you just stop and angle the camera correctly, it's like, oh, I've been here before and it was in 1997 and I remember this <laughs> and it's epic right that's awesome it's like they've taken uh your memories from 1997 and made them 3d and high res and beautiful but you can walk around in them and it's just it constantly blows me away that they can do that it's it doesn't surprise me that they've done that either because they've kind of had to given how limited midgar was in the original yeah and like midgar is fleshed out here too right there are things that didn't exist before that are existing in here um, and again, I'm only going to talk about vaguely and the first like hour of the game um, for concrete examples. But you see the fact that like it's an actual functioning city and there are suburbs and there's it's not just like upper versus lower. Right. Um, and you also see things like the fact that there are middle managers on the train and people who work for Shinra and people that work in the slums. And there's there's everything from, you know, like the slums, which is what the game calls them, all the way up to the president of Shinra. But you actually get to see the things in between, whereas before it was all abstracted away. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. here's your avalanche group and then here's like the evil bad guys. And then everything in between is just kind of never really explored. Um it does a lot more of exploring like what does a midgar suburb look like on the top plate you know not yeah. even the high class not even the rich people but like what's a suburb look like in this world and things like um they they add like little gaps between each plate in midgar so that the sun can actually like get down into the slums and so the slums are lit in a different way but it makes the world feel more open and like just seeing the sun in the slums was just a whoa what and trying to figure out like how they did that and why they made that change and it's stuff like that right it's really smart changes that don't hurt any of the world building they just add to the world is it kind of like when you see Aerith's uh house in the first one where it's got the sunlight beaming in is that kind of the vibe that it gives yeah yep same idea okay I'm just trying to, to kind of get the, the visual in my head. Yeah. And so um, one of the only like story beats that I wanted to concretely talk about, um, because, again, I know that most people haven't played the game yet, uh, but it's it's like right after the demo ends. Um, you this is your last spoiler warning. I'm talking about the, the next half hour after the demo right now. Uh, the demo ends and the very next thing that happens is you see Sephiroth like right away. And right. if you've played the original Final Fantasy seven, the first time you see Sephiroth is like the end of Midgar as you're getting near like the final building in it. Um, mm-hmm. And so the fact that you see him almost right away at like, you know, minute 31 of the game, you can tell that they're doing different things and they're pulling a lot of the stuff that was in later parts of disc one and disc two of the original Final Fantasy. They're pulling it forward into or Final Fantasy seven, I should say they're pulling it forward into midgar instead so that's one of the ways they've fleshed out the midgar portion is to actually do things that were later in the original game and just make them happen sooner and like integrate them into the story and so cloud has a lot of his flashbacks that don't happen until um like calm you know like all the nibbleheim stuff um right that happens in midgar for the most part 
and it happens right from the first hour of the game. Like, Cloud, you can tell there's something going on with his memory and his flashbacks and PTSD and Sephiroth, and it becomes apparent very early, and I think that that's better for the overall story of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I think it does, and I think the way that they've, they're introducing this, I know some stuff about the end of the game because I just went ahead and looked stuff up, and Austin was telling me some stuff on uh, after one of our recordings of Dragon Quest FM the other day when I made a comment, uh, so it's not even spoiled on, spoiled on there, but um, the way that they're tying it in together like this makes a lot of sense overall for where the narrative is going, and yes. so I like the way that they're putting it together like this without waiting um when they put in sephiroth right after the right after the part that you're doing and i know that the end of the demo actually had sephiroth in it if you chose the 20 minute time limit you actually had uh the ending with sephiroth in it too um i never went back to actually do that but i've read about it and is it the same kind of introduction as the original final fantasy 7 just moved up or is it a new way to introduce the character it's it's a new way. Um, it's okay. all in the same vein. Like, it all has the same feel to it. Uh, but they've definitely changed it a little bit. Um, just because okay. they're making it flow into the story better. And a lot of the things they're bringing forward from, like, later in Disc 1 or Disc 2 are... It's such a smart change for the narrative to incorporate okay. that stuff right from the beginning. All right, cool. I was really just curious about that because it's uh, something that I was wanting them to do was change up stuff instead of making it an actual uh, an actual remake. I wanted them to make it more of a reboot of the story, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, and they're doing different things, too. Like there are again, this is only the first hour of the story, but there are just like ghosts that are flying around and Right. I, I, I'm halfway through it, and I still don't know what the deal is with those. They're kind of spectral forms. I kind of have some things that I'm suspecting based on what I know of the original story. Um, but I don't know, because they've changed it. Like, there are things that they've changed, and then there's whole new sections that they've added to um, story beats and characters and stuff like that. But none of it has felt like filler, which I think okay. is the biggest thing that I can say about it. And it, it's interesting, right? Because... I'm probably halfway through. I think I'm on track to beat this game in like 30 to 35 hours all in. And if you go back and you play the original Final Fantasy VII, Midgar is only the first like six hours of that game. I mean, the whole game is like 25, maybe 30 hours across three discs. But the first six hours are Midgar. And that's all that there is in this remake is Midgar. Right. So they've really extended it out. And it's not filler, which it's is filler. what what you and I had hoped for from the very beginning was that it wouldn't be filler in everything, that it would actually be a good story and actually telling an interesting narrative. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And so kind of to wrap up my thoughts here, because anything else starts getting spoilery. So I will wait until couple months from now to talk about that um but one of my friends described this as the feeling you have when you're going to see a movie that's made from a book that you love and you always hmm. go into that with hesitance because the assumption is that it's not going to be as good but you're going to see it because you loved the book you know this feeling right yep i do I absolutely know what what you're talking about okay so go into final fantasy 7 remake with that feeling that's what i did um and basically, I was just, I've been blown out of the water every step of the way. Like, it has met and exceeded my expectations. Even though that's what I was expecting to run into, it's not what I found. Like, the game is so good. 
I'm very interested to know what you think about the entire game overall. Like we're going to have to do either a discussion between us or uh, or a spoiler cast or part of a spoiler cast uh, so that I know once it gets beyond where you are right now and you get the second half, I'm really curious about the second half of this game. Yeah, I've heard things about, I haven't looked it up, but I've heard that the ending varies. There's something about the ending that people are like, oh my gosh, um, so I have to check right. that out when I get to it. We will talk yep. about it. But I yeah. cannot wait to know what you think about it. Okay, cool. Uh, that's probably it for my initial impressions of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Anyway, now that I've gone on for half an hour. But if you guys want to support the podcast, patreon.com slash geek to geekcast Every, everything goes towards hosting and the network and just helping us expand the geek to geek network um, and of course, around the network, we have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog. You can get all of that if you go to geek2geekmedia.com or if you go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe, you can get it sent right to you. So I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. What have you been doing this week? I've been playing Animal Crossing. I live <laughs> on an island now. How's that going? I- it's going wonderfully. I love this game. I love this game so much. It really, between this and Dragon Quest Builders 2, really kind of solidified how much I like this game, this kind of game, uh, with certain, you know, with, with certain gameplay types. I uh, still don't like Minecraft. Um, but this one, like, okay, so where I'm at now, I finally finished up the story, well, quote unquote story, and hit all the milestones for Tom Nook. I got the terraforming. Uh, part of it so you get an island design tool once you uh, complete all of tom nook stuff and uh, that lets you uh, change the way that the island's uh, geography looks so you get uh, paths so you can make roads or different kinds of surfaces and then you get a waterscaping permit and a uh, cliffscaping permit where you can uh, uh destroy adjust or create different uh elevations uh as well as being able to dig the ground and shape what the uh, actual flat ground looks like it's not uh, exactly like a builder's game or minecraft where everything is voxels and you can just stack and move stuff around you're still working within the confines of this grid and what you're seeing there um but it's fantastic and i've been uh spending a lot of time doing that so i took one uh day uh where i I had an afternoon and I cleared out a good 20% of my island and made myself a long bridge surrounded by water uh, with a tiered uh, with tiered inclines up three levels and with just my house on top. So I'm now ruling over Beachtopia from the top <laughs> of Mount Beach. That's awesome. Um, and Jennifer is like, wow, look at the ego on this one. Uh, she was like, you use a, like this much of your island as empty space with water with just a walkway up to your house. And I'm like, yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. It's glorious. Um, but I really enjoy doing that. Like that kind of thing is fun, just being able to completely reshape the way that the, the island looks. Um, so I've spent the rest of the time working on the town, rearranging stuff, uh, putting putting down roads and making it what I want. Um, I got all of my villagers finally and i'm working on today my last village my first villager is moving out today she'll be gone tomorrow uh kicking out tutu the uh, bear i did not like tutu um (laughs) don't like her at all so i'm kicking her out and hopefully getting someone cool tomorrow i'll go on mystery island tours tomorrow and tomorrow night trying to find them and uh i got raymond as a villager have you heard about raymond no i don't really know about any of the villagers 
so apparently Raymond is one of the new villagers for this game, and the internet is losing their mind about him. Uh, he is a kind of surly, uh, grumpy cat with glasses wearing a suit. He lives in an office when he moves in. Like you get, uh, he he lives in like a, a cubicle with a whiteboard and a safe and modern office, uh, like a water water cooler and everything. And uh, apparently, if you give him a maid outfit, he uses he wears it while he cleans his office, and it's just hilarious and like the internet has lost their minds for him and he was one of my island villagers so he was my last one to come in and uh, i was uh, really happy to get him because i saw this morning on a discord that i was uh scrolling through um people are paying 85 million bells for him Wow. To be able to get him, like, as he's moving out of your island, people are giving one offer. The highest bid was 85 million bells. And I'm just like, good Lord. Like, that is insane. Um, but yeah, I uh, I love that. Uh, I got a gold balloon today. It was flying over my island. I shot it down, and it went kersplash in the water because it was one one tile up too high so it uh that was where my golden slingshot recipe was and so i'm hoping that it comes back through tomorrow when i'm on so that oh, i can no. see it and uh, and get that because i that would be my first uh, golden recipe um jennifer got the golden armor which is needed for the uh to build the big, I call him my big robot friend. I can't remember what his actual name is, but you uh, can build the robot and you need golden armor to do it. So Jennifer got that from her, uh, one of her villagers and I learned it uh, by rushing over there. So I'm that much closer to getting, bidding my big robot friend. And uh, I've loved it so much that yesterday I bought uh, new leaf on the 3ds and uh, booted it up to see. Um, Interesting. And really I did this not because I really want to be like, double fisting animal crossing but because i've seen so many threads on reddit and different articles about what's missing in new horizons that there are a lot of diehard players who are talking about all of the stuff that they wish was in this game and that had just been either left out or held back for updates or something and so i'm like i have to see what some of this stuff is like people are are really like some of this stuff seems really, really cool, like perfect fruit that's in the the mobile game and the, some of the other games. They were talking about gems and uh, gyroids and stuff like that. And so I'm like, I have to I have to see this. So I downloaded it. And it's neat so far. It's very definitely a precursor to this one. And uh, they have w- totally reworked the game for New Horizons. Like, I'm gl- very glad that I started with it to go back. Kind of like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 going backwards. Um but when I logged in this morning to see what was going on, I found a magic lamp. Like there was this voice talking to me and I'm like, then wander around and find this magic lamp. And it had wisp inside, which is a, this ghost that appears in new horizons in the upper cliffs of your Island. Uh, you scare them. You have to search for the uh, different spirit parts across your Island and then uh, put them back together to get a prize. And so I found him and he wanted me to put an animal crossing amiibo on the on the 3ds so that i could interact with him and i didn't have one so i'm just like okay i'm gonna grab my inkling girl so i'll walk over get my get my inkling girl put it on there and he appears as inkwell an octopus villager uh so i'm just like okay so now i'm uh, recruiting that one into my town because it's an octopus that lives out of water and kind of moves around on their tentacles which is really cool but it's like how did an, a splatoon 
amiibo work to get me an Animal Crossing villager? Like, are all of the amiibos tied somehow to a random Animal Crossing villager? I'm I'm really interested in looking this up and figuring it out. But it's like, how did a game that's not this game work? Because usually you're told that it just isn't compatible, you know? I, so I don't... think, if I remember, I think there's a way to get Link in something. In oh, Animal Crossing. Neat. It's probably I, New Leaf. I don't know. I'd have to Google it. But yeah, there, I know there's some weird stuff with Amiibos in that one. That's really neat. I'm going to have to look for that. Like, I don't have any. I have Donkey Kong, Peach, Toad, and Inkling Girl. Like, I don't have hardly any Amiibo. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see that. I did find out from Belgast. He posted uh, in our... Uh, community sharing on discord that one of his blogs was that you can actually counterfeit amiibo codes because they use uh an open source public uh radio signal with the nfc and oh, so you yeah. can write to them you with you can buy blank cards for about 50 50 cents each and you can use like an android phone to be able to write to them that uh, there are a couple of ways to do it but you can actually use your phone to write the amiibo image on there if you want it for any game but he was talking about this one in particular so it's uh, really interesting on just that Nintendo would do that given how protective and proprietary they are about almost everything else. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's weird, but yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Like I'm I'm really enjoying the the chill being able to do what I want vibe of these games and it's giving me a good good way to interact with my family and friends still. People are over on each other's islands and on the phone every night. So, it's really neat. Awesome. I'm glad you're liking it so much. I am. I'm I'm really really truly enjoying it. So, I'm glad that you convinced me to buy it. Yeah, me too. So I also bought Stardew Valley on the Switch. I just decided to get it for whenever I wanted it, and I haven't booted it up yet. I tried my time at Porsche on Game Pass, uh, which is another crafting-type open-world build-your-place game. And uh, I could see myself liking it on Switch, but I don't know because there's combat and levels in it. And uh, to get... I don't think it's as chill as I want because to get the some of the uh, initial materials that you need to play, you have to beat these like pink llamas to death and then they explode and you get meat and wool. And I'm just like, like you don't have a weapon. You just have your fist. So you're literally beating llamas to death. And I'm like, this isn't as chill as I want. Yeah. Like it's not violent. Don't get me wrong. It's very cartoony. They, they disappear into a puff of smoke, but I'm just like, I don't really want to just like this kind of combat's not where I'm feeling right now, but it's a very pretty game. My computer didn't like it very much uh, because my computer's been acting up a lot lately, but uh, I could definitely see myself liking it on Switch. So yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing. I can see you liking that one too. And Stardew Valley. I hope you like Stardew Valley once you actually get around to trying it. Right. And did you have you played my time at Porsche? Because I used to see a bunch on Twitter about it and it kind of waned for a while. Uh, it may have been when it was new on Switch. But did you ever try that one? I did the same thing you did. I tried it on Game Pass and played like, I don't know, maybe an hour. And I was like, eh, yeah. I don't know. There's other games that scratch that same itch that I like better. So I kind of put it down. Right. That was kind of how I felt on this one. Like I will probably go back to it eventually just because of how quirky like the uh, the happy post-apocalyptic world is. Like it's colorful and not... Uh, uh, fallout so that makes me interested in it more than almost anything else yeah yeah that's awesome um so yeah that's me 
Cool. But yeah, my week was mostly Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, besides that, I did watch Apollo 13 because it's the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 13 disaster incident. Oh. Success, landing, mission, whatever you want to call it. Um, mission, yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, I mean, Apollo 13, the movie, is still fantastic. So that's no surprise. But yeah, that's a great movie. Right. And then um, I finished reading The Burning White, which is the last mm. one in the... What's the series actually called? It's the Lightbringer. The Lightbringer. I think it's the Lightbringer series, yep. Lightbringer Chronicles, or maybe just the Lightbringer or Lightbringer. But yeah, it's yeah. super good. Yep. So that's Brent Weeks's latest series, and it was the fifth book in that series. Um, mm-hmm. is really good. And it, I think the last time we talked about that series, you were also reading it. Um, yep. But I remember one of my last thoughts that I gave, and it was probably a year and a half or two years ago at this point, was to not read book four until book five came out. <laughs> and having read book five, I now stand by that even more um, because like the first book was really good as a standalone, um, you know, leading into the second. The second one was pretty good at being self-contained. But the whatever the last one was, like the third or the fourth that I just had read before this one, um, it just goes right into this new one. And those feel like one complete idea. So you guys, if you haven't read the series, you can probably get a better experience than BJ or I did because all of the books are out now. Yeah, it it is a very complicated story, and there were bits and pieces of it, especially having read it on Kindle and not knowing and seeing that there was kind of a uh, an appendix in the back I could have looked stuff up in, um, which there is, by the way, if y'all didn't, if y'all are reading it the same way, y'all can read it uh, and do that. But it ties very closely into book four, and it I had a lot of stuff I forgot about. Yeah, but it's that good. It, that it, it was referenced. It, it was such a good series, and it was a really good conclusion. And it's something that I could see myself rereading in the future, even though it's this like fantasy epic that's you know a million words or whatever. I actually started it over at one point, not terribly long ago, like right after I had done my Brandon Sanderson uh, Cosmere read through, and that was too much for me. Like, I, it, because it's that epic fantasy, I was like, oh, let me go back into rereading another epic fantasy with this, uh, with this new one coming out soon. Nope, I was. It was like, nope, that's that's too intimidating. But uh, absolutely something I'm going to end up. Absolutely something I'm going to end up going through and uh, reading again at some point. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I like that one a lot. That was one from the year that I definitely rated as like five stars as I'm tracking stuff in Goodreads. And I'm like, OK, right. come back to that at the end of the year. It might make my end of the year list. And then, um, you know, I'm always kind of watching Disney movies in the background now because I have a Disney movie podcast. Um, but I watched The Parent Trap this week, the the one from 1998. And I just have to say that movie holds up really well. Like really, I was surprised by how much I liked that. And it's one of Lindsay Lohan's like first movies, you know, as she's a little kid. Um, But I enjoyed it. Like a lot of Disney movies, I'm like, oh, it was good for the time or it did this interesting new thing or it's a more modern movie. So it's just like legitimately good. This is one of the first ones where I was surprised by how well it held up. And I still liked it now. That's surprising to me. I'm going to have to go back and watch that at some point because I haven't seen it since it was new. It's one where when it was brand new, I saw it. I don't even know if I saw it again after that. So that's that's interesting to know that it holds up as a real <laughs> as a real movie and not just a point in history, an artifact of its time. Yeah, 
20-ish years later, it's still pretty good. Um, so I just wanted to mention that one, too, in passing. But that's probably it for this week. Uh, you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack, Discord, and Reddit. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I also have the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week, like The Parent Trap. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And you can listen to me talk to every NPC in town on the Dragon Quest FM (laughs) podcast. Uh, We've been Void and Beige with your Geek Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Mosey on out. Woo! 